You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to help the only way we know how by being in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week. Liquid IV, Mint Mobile, and Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's excited for a new era to start. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everybody. That is the brand of my cap. I think that's every hat. Is every hat new era? That is uh, is every hat. It is every hat. Uh, I'm every hat. It's It's all on my head. That is a hit song. I remember that. Whitney tune? No? We're off to a good start. (laughs) Killing it this week already. Oh, my gosh. What a huge week. Of gaming news, we got so much to cover. We have awesome games to talk about, and we have a fantastic guest. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week I am so excited because DLC stands for Darksiders League and Comics because we have lead writer of Darksiders Genesis and Ruined King, a League of Legends story, as well as numerous comic books, including Avengers World, Black Market, and Violent Love. Mr. Frank Barbary joins us for the first time. Hey, Frank. Thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. And I mentioned it off mic, but super surreal as I'm a big fan of the show. And uh, hearing hearing your both your voices boom in my headphones is so exciting. Well, I'm so thrilled to have you. It's been a long time coming. We have a lot to cover and uh, some juicy news. So let's jump right in and start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It's also you can send comments or questions or reviews of your own to the show. We love hearing from you. 
You can also dip into our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com or join our vibrant Discord community over at 5x5dlc on Discord as well. We hope you join that cool group of folks talking about the show, talking about video games, talking about whatever. But Frank, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? I feel like a jerk just taking this one right off the table, but uh, the fact that we got a new Indiana Jones game announced, and that's from Machine Games, a studio that I think has done tremendous work with the Wolfenstein franchise. I did not see this one coming, and wow, what a pair, and I just cannot wait to see more. I can't remember if they actually spoke to anything about it other than the title and what was there, and I think they said that it is like, about Indiana Jones at the peak of his, or at the peak of like his prowess and ability. So it will be actual indie who you're playing, but uh, wow, what a team and what a franchise. I, I still remember playing fate of Atlantis and was there an SNS yeah. game as well? Like one of the LucasArts side scrollers. And am I making that yeah, up? I think there was a few different, there was a, there was like an old SNES Indiana Jones, wasn't there where you like whipping stuff all the time? Yeah. Like a super that, star Wars almost. Yeah. 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 There was one of those like inscrutable arcade games I remember in the 80s that was just like all I remember is running around like whipping like thuggy guys with the whip and dying after one quarter or whatever. But uh, <laughs> yeah, this one sounds like it might be a little little more modern than that. So, yeah, I mean, we're getting a fifth and quote unquote final Indiana Jones <laughs> film uh, coming up soon. I'm thinking what, what 2022 is when it's supposed to come out. Um, and and this this video game it's a it's a indiana jones essence where we're and interesting because of course it will be harrison ford in the role of indiana jones in the film and i think you're right to point out that this is not going to be you know 70 plus year old indiana jones it's going to be <laughs> at the height of his career and i think that's smart and cool and machine games you know we were big fans of what they did with wolfenstein the wolfenstein series and clearly those games as much as they were you know, pulse pounding, edge of your seat, thrill ride, shoot, you know, first person shooters, they were really storytelling games. And I think we're all hoping that an Indiana Jones game would tell a great story. Um, the takeaway here, though, to jump in, is that Machine Games loves killing Nazis. Like that's well, the, or punching them at least. Indy might not sure. Andy, Andy kills a few too. He pushes people off moving tanks that then get rolled over. Like yeah. that's the that's the through line. It's like Nazis are bad. Yeah, yeah. games makes great games. Giving those bad Who Nazis is, a hard time. Yeah. What's the studio that does the best job about punching <laughs> Nazis squat in the face? Uh, let's get machine games on this. I think it's you're right, Christian. It, like, in the text where it's like I forget, I forget Duke, uh, Duke's um, what, what's it, uh, BJ's line, but it's something like there's some line in there like it's always great to kill a there's something in there and it's like mm-hmm. yeah you yeah. get it yeah so, oh. so so let me ask you this question Frank because I think this is the the pertinent one and you are somebody that writes for video games you you write stories you're a storyteller uh, what kind of video game are you looking for here what kind of story are you hoping for it. Do you want a third person game, a first person game? What what's your dream Indiana Jones game from Machine Games? I feel like the hilarious baseline of me just knowing that I will probably like this game. I feel like if you just reskinned like 
Wolfenstein with Indiana Jones, like already, <laughs> that would be already a pretty like fun, okay video game about well, Indiana Jones. Wearing a lot of armor that he's picking up, but yeah, I'm, I'm with it. I'm into it. <laughs> but, but even just knowing that that pedigree of the studio, I feel like if they go first person, they've proven like again they can make, as you said, like competent, well beyond competent, fun action games with cool set pieces, and quite frankly, like their story team, like I could really just like no familiarity or care with Wolfenstein's story before going into those games. But I feel like the cutscenes were all compelling. Like it, it was just a well-written story in those games. And I think they've proven that they can do that. And then also I think uh, it was more so a new Colossus. They did some of those bits that like when you're exploring BJ's house and, and did actually like kind of narrative storytelling stuff in the first person format that yeah. I think a lot of action games stay away from so it was really cool to see that and just knowing now like if they marry those things i am here for that and i it's interesting because i haven't even thought that they would do it third person like i i just immediately assumed like oh they'll probably stick to first person but i guess anything is on the table and yeah i don't don't think they'll make the 2d side scroller like the lucas arts game but uh but now i just think that they've proven time and time again like they have a great like cinematic quality to their games and just moment to moment they understand action and have fun with game mechanics in a way that goes beyond just like shooting gallery kind of like hallway stuff. So I'm tentatively very excited. I think that this is an IP that needed someone like that to to really push it instead of just again, we all know what the bad version of this game looks like, right? Like and right. I don't think anyone in whatever year ends up coming out is interested in making that. And I think it's a a really great pairing of a team and a franchise. Christian, I know you are a huge fan of the Uncharted games and we have, we have Uncharted doing a great job, basically creating Indiana Jones type stories. We have Tomb Raider that has been rebooted uh, numerous times. And the most recent is very much in that same mold of an Indiana Jones type storytelling. Do you think that this game needs to differentiate itself from those types of games? Or if it looks and feels similarly to Uncharted and Tomb Raider, do you think the IP is enough to make it special? That's a great question. I I think the IP is enough to make it special. Mostly, I I mean, you put a John Williams score on something and it feels special. Um, I do think as Frank was saying, you know, if machine games, and I don't know what they're going to do here, and I trust that they can make a great third-person game, but if they do stick with first-person, I think that is something that instantly differentiates it from those other games, the Tomb Raiders and Charteds and stuff like that. And I don't know how much they share um, tech with other id, or now I guess Microsoft or Bethesda, you know, companies, but Doom Eternal, it's not a whip, but you got to grapple in a first-person and so there's, you know, I could see them kind of leaning on that stuff. And I think a first person Indiana Jones game, Indiana Jones game would be interesting. If I had to guess, like, you know, I have two swords and Indy's got a gun across a 10 space uh, paces from me. Uh, I would guess that this is going to be third person. But listening to Frank talk about it, I think a first person indie game could be really compelling. Um, and I think that will, it, it would bring less comparison to those other yeah genre or i mean those other versions of the game i don't know that, frank do you think there's pressure do you think they would feel pressure to make it not feel like a reskinned uncharted it, that's so funny what christian just brought up like shows like 
my uh, game design brain didn't kick in of like, oh, running towards a bunch of guys with a first person whip as they gun you down probably does not make a great video game. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I feel like they, they'll probably find a solution. I, as I said, it, it weirdly just like appeared in my brain as first person. But uh, I think that, and it's so hard because it's just every game studio, you think you know kind of the DNA of the company, but like look at like Gorilla, right? They went from Killzone to Horizon and did right. that with so much grace and, and talent. Like you never know what people are going to make. So I I thought it would be first person, but now that the question actually comes up and like who who knows what it could be in, in terms of what well, companies think of it. usually don't stray that far. Like I know that um, the next Fable game is actually going to be an open world car game. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I would be su- very surprised if it was first person. I think that'd be a very bold move. Uh, I'm hoping it's third person. I, I, I'm curious what kind of game they're going to make. Cause I do think, I personally do think there's a bit of pressure for it to not just feel like another one of those games. And yeah, I mean, you, you've got the IP that does make it special. Like Christian said, the, you know, the score alone makes it special seeing a digitized Harrison Ford in what I assume will be a very much now current gen, very flashy triple a game. I I'm sure it'll look in and, and, you know, appear great cinematic filmic, you know, but I wonder how much pressure there is to not just do more of what those other games did. I wonder if there will be some uh, elements of, you know, indie outside, uh, you know, Professor Jones levels or anything like that. Or if there's ways to find uh, elements that make that special that sort sort of haven't been done in those other games. Um, But either way, even if it is. If it's if it's similar to Uncharted and Tomb Raider games, I absolutely adore. <laughs> I'm into it, and and hearing you know, dun, 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 come on, when I'm in an action sequence, yeah, okay, it's that's all I need. And yeah. you know, so the other question before we get off this topic, Christian kind of alluded to, is we don't really know what the contractual stuff around this game is. Because, yes, now Bethesda is owned by Microsoft. And so, uh, Frank, I wonder if you think this will be uh, one of those first-party kind of Microsoft exclusives, or do you think that this IP is a little too big for something like that? It It's so interesting, and it's such a crazy time for, again, exclusives. And obviously, like, I'm of the mind, like, gosh, I wish every game came out on every platform for the most amount of people to play it. But uh, knowing that acquisition happened, this does seem like it is one of the like big, big pieces of entertainment that they could easily jock and say, and only available on PC and Xbox and get a lot of eyes onto that. And again, with game pass and things like that, because uh, all first party games go right to game pass now, right? That is part of the. Yeah. That's Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. So that's Microsoft's jam. Yeah. It would be a, a big thing. And, as I said, I, I think it's better for the world for it to be on every platform, but knowing business, I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of the newer titles that they uh, try to lock down like that for yeah. for kind of exclusivity. Because, uh, boy, what an exclusive. As I said, I, I did not think one of the first things I'd see in 2021 was an Indiana Jones game, which 
Yeah. I didn't know I wanted as bad as I did till that popped up and, and no fanfare. Like I just saw on Twitter, a few people like, woo, Indy and like that trailer. Yeah, it's thing. A weird, like, what? Like, weird time frame for them to make such a big announcement. You know, it, it, there wasn't a, a huge event around it. It just was this kind of thing that happened in January, which I, I'm curious about, but I guess, you know, there's a number of, of Disney related uh, news bits, but just to, to put a bow on Indiana Jones, uh, Todd Howard from Bethesda is said to be the executive producer on this title, which is interesting. And he said that it will be, quote, some time before there is any further news on the game, not even a release, but further news. So this is several years out. Uh, we are we are a ways away from getting this Indiana Jones game, but it is pretty cool to hear that a top tier developer is is working on a top tier IP. I think that's really exciting. It was also uh, announced that Todd Howard is actually playing the role of Indiana Jones. Like <laughs> I don't know one else other than probably Harrison Ford in real life who has a cooler collection of leather jackets than he seems to. <laughs> <press> <laughs> I, I, I would take him over Shia LaBeouf at this point. So that's fair. <laughs> he seems to be a fairly busy dude with several pretty intense games that he's uh, kind of Easy. heading up. Easy. He could do it. If anyone yeah, could do it, he could do it. Delegating authority. Um, <laughs> all right, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? We're just going to keep rolling with those Disney-related tweets uh, that just came out. The next one was that Ubisoft Massive Studio, who is known for The Division and Division 2, they are working on a new Star Wars game. It's going to be an open-world game. Surprise. Um, not much of a surprise from that studio. And they're using the Snowdrop engine, which allows car doors to be closed across Washington, D.C. and New York. And it, it the indie one maybe, I guess, hinted at this Disney. Well, I guess first it was LucasArts Games. And it was like, okay, they rebranded. And then it was like, and we're making games. And this is the first Star Wars game, I think, outside of that EA um, exclusivity on console. I think there were other mobile games and stuff like that that were non-EA made, but before you know, EA had that license, and it looks like it, it's opening up, and, and Disney and LucasArts are getting back into multi-platform publishing in a big way, and I think you know, that Snowdrop engine is gorgeous. It still looks great. I'm excited to see what tweaks they make to it. Um, the Division 1 and 2 they both have their faults, but as far as big open world games go, I think they are very good games. And I'm really excited to see what this Star Wars take that they bring. You know, an open world Star Wars game could be so many things. You know, is it right. beyond good and evil 2 era, you know, jumping from planet to planet, or is it all on one planet? It's it's really interesting. Yes, and we don't really have any confirmation even of the Star Wars universe time period, right? Is this the Skywalker saga years? Is this a different era altogether? High is Republic it, tie-in or something? Right. Yeah. Does it fit in between movies? Is it, are you playing as Luke? Are you playing as the Mandalorian? We don't know any of that. But I agree with you that having Massive on this game, I mean, I think EA has done some some excellent Star Wars games uh, with the time that they've had. I, I really assumed you would get way more of them from EA in that period, but I am very excited that this IP has now seemed to open up to other studios and the studios that seem to be doing uh, involved. I mean, Massive, as you said, I'm a b big fan of what they've done. I, I think the Division and the Division 2 are fantastic, gorgeous games. I, you know, 
I think all of us can agree we, we're hoping this game is not a sort of always on uh, division type game. Or maybe all of us can agree, but I think Christian and I will agree. Uh, I would but, agree. <laughs> yeah, I think elements of that are okay. I think the division. Yes, I would love just just single player because I don't go back to the division or to division two for that on always on stuff. But the division and division two for me. And, and my value had enough single player content. I would love drop in, oh, drop yeah. out multiplayer where it's like, Hey, we're going to go do this raid. And then you're like, Oh, I'm playing too. And you can jump in. I think that sounds super exciting. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll ask the same question I said for the last, uh, last story, Frank, what, what is your dream star Wars era storyline? I mean, are, are you hoping to, uh, all of us are digging the Mandalorian these days. Do you hope it's sort of like bounty hunters and cool underworldy stuff? Or do you want Jedi and, and Sith, what, what are you hoping for? It It's so funny to think the space this game will probably come out to, where we have, again, the, the Respawn game, which is fantastic. And, like, you're a Jedi there. You, I guess they, they still do work pretty hard on the online one, Old Republic. Yeah. Uh, so that is a game currently in the space as well. There's, again, the, the spaceship games now, which uh, Squadrons just came out. And it... It seems like I'm so curious what they will go for because they probably don't want to necessarily compete with themselves. But again, games are games are games, and there will be similarities. But uh, oh gosh, I don't even know. I mean, I love Star Wars. I've played probably every Star Wars video game as they've come out over the years, starting with those NES and Super Nintendo games all the way up. And I feel like for me, Knights of the Old Republic changed the game. Obviously, like. Yeah. I remember borrowing my friend's Xbox because I didn't have one to to play that game. And uh, I really do like a lot of that Old Republic stuff. I haven't seen, I know they just launched the like High Republic universe. Is that, I think that's what it's called. Mm. Yeah. Know, familiar, yeah with the I'm whole, not like, entirely certain. Yeah. You know, they launched a new comic and it is that kind of like golden era of like Jedi and the Republic. And I think something said in that, universe just because i haven't seen it in a while would be awesome but also what you said like the bounty hunter stuff i know uh that's what they had rumored like the uh almost uncharted like game to be the world of bounty hunting which again i think has its own eccentricity and clearly its appeal with the mandalorian so i don't know it's the thing where i do think it's a great team i think it's a great fit and these people know how to make good video games so i am cautiously optimistic to see see what comes out but uh i think i am veering more towards the uh old Republic type stuff. Like I, I do have a huge fondness for that. And in those old dark horse comics, I remember were so strange to me when I only knew the star Wars films. And cause I didn't really get into the books till I was older, but I remember reading like, uh, about like, uh, gosh, I can't remember the character's names, like a, a bad EU fan, but, uh, just the very, very old world star Wars stuff always had a weird mystique to it, to me that like felt like they really leaned into the dark space magic elements of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that that would be real cool to see. But as I said, I, I big question mark, but excitement. And do you guys have a favorite, like kind of genre within Star Wars? Almost, I, mean, like I think I think expanding it beyond the Skywalker years is smart because you have a bigger canvas to play with, right? You get to, I think, allowing the game world to be. Uh, more of what of its own thing, and not have to figure out how to fit into established you know, lore and, and continuity is so much nicer. And I think that's one of the things that's so great about Knights of the Old Republic is it just felt like it was expanding the Star Wars world and you didn't have to worry about bumping into all these familiar characters. 
And as much as I love the familiar characters, I think, I mean, I know this is massive and not like, you know, Ubisoft Montreal or any of the Assassin's Creed <laughs> um, developers. But if you just gave me Assassin's Creed <laughs> with a Star Wars skin, I would be the happiest boy. I, I think I want to do, I want to climb to the top of an ad at and sink the world and see all my little points all around. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to do all of that stuff. I'm ready. I'm ready to chase uh, data links across rooftop. What did make me Assassin's Creed in the Star Wars world, and I'll be so happy. I don't think that's what they're going to make. I'll buy that game, Jeff. You, just, oh, <laughs> you yes. made oh, that game. Yeah, there we go. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> I think the way Assassin's Creed is now, if you did that in a sci-fi setting, a full Star Wars sci-fi setting, it would be so epic. Uh, and you know, I, I I I suspect this, you know, because it's massive, maybe a little more shootery than that, um, which isn't what I would. The, my first choice, but I suspect it will still be really cool, and I will be really excited about it. But again, these these games are far off. Um, but it's just cool to hear that they're working on them. You know, it's it's going to be a really awesome generation of consoles. I think we're going to get all these games. You know, about the midpoint when these consoles are really cooking, the tools have really been perfected, and people understand the systems and are getting a lot out of them. And we're going to see, I mean, really spectacular games by the time these come out. I think. I just want to see clone troopers in North Face um, hoodies and beanies. Like that's all I <laughs> give me that, you know. Just yeah, uh, yeah. Put a clone trooper with some Timberlands on. Like I'm buying that game, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, man, lots of news this week. So I have lots still to choose from. Um, I think probably the most interesting to me, although you know, a little more uh, not as quite as positive and fun is this apology that CD Projekt Red put out, this video ap- apology um, from uh, the co-founder of CD Projekt Red addressing directly uh, some of the issues that people have had. And and almost, um, I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch the full thing, but it's almost, um, I think, in attempting to explain how they got to that point, to me it felt a little, you know excusey if i can coin a term um which is i mean i understand the motivation to explain to the audience why they got to where they got and how that all came to pass and how you know good intentions and and best laid plans can lead to uh less than ideal circumstances in the end and I feel for a lot of the people that work there, I feel even for the heads of CD Projekt Red in a certain sense, because clearly that's not what they intended to have happen. Uh, but I'm curious what you guys think about this quote-unquote apology. Uh, it, it is ostensibly standing in front of a camera and saying, hey, I take responsibility. The The studio takes responsibility. This shouldn't have happened. But also watching the full length of it, it really does feel like to me, you know, uh, not not really our fault. A lot of bad things happened, which is true, but ultimately it's kind of your fault, you know? I, I don't know. What, do, what did you think, Frank? It was definitely weird to watch and went on for a long time. Like, I, yeah. like a true future citizen, we have, like, YouTube on our TV now, which I always swore I would never do, but here we are. And it popped up in my feed. I was like, oh, what is this? I just saw the yellow background and, like, sitting with my partner watching it we were just kind of like exchanging glances like oh like it felt bad and i mean i think i'm not 
an expert on business, but if it gets to the point where you need to put out a video like that, things have <laughs> probably uh, gone awry. And I, yeah, again, ring, I, I ring, really just, ring, <laughs> ring, ring, ring. Oh, I think we're getting. Uh, we may be getting a call from uh, Mark from marketing. Uh, Mark, are you are, are you calling into the show again? It's early 2021. We haven't heard about heard from you this year. Uh, what's going on? Oh, uh, hey, uh, hey, Jeff, hey, Frank. I was um, listening to the show live. I heard uh, Frank say he's no expert in stuff. I also want to clear it up. I'm uh, no longer Mark from marketing. After uh, my last appearance, I, uh, you know, uh, the company had some. <clears throat> issues with some of the things I was saying and doing. Oh, so, uh, Mark, uh, I hope you don't have COVID. It sounds like you got a, a bit of a sinus issue there. Right? Uh, um, it was just a, uh, just kidding. Boom. That's a misdirect. What's up? I'm still from marketing and they love everything that I'm doing. So this is a great question. Like, how do you apologize? <laughs> I tried to and so that's the key right you come at them you hit them you're like i'm crying they're crying everybody's crying like why is this guy crying oh my gosh he's a strong guy but he's really crying and then you're just like but i want to do right by you and jump cuts lots of jump cuts so it's like their head just changes angles a little bit like it's a science to it but kind of make it work and at the end of the day you're like look we take full responsibility but also and then just the list you know what i mean it's like it's our fault but also it's like you're the one playing the game <laughs> you know what i mean like trevor mark, here. mark none of that happened in the video though there was no jump cuts it was just one static shot and he just kind of talked directly there was no crying yeah was, is it, that it was, video gonna get nominated for any oppies which is the awards for apologies of youtube videos i don't think so dude okay so stay with me all right jump cut jump cut jump cut cry 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 you guys this ask for forgiveness take a week off of youtube you're good. Well, as always, I appreciate you calling in, Mark. Um, I, you know, I'm a little concerned about you. you. You seem to be morphing slowly into the the guy that tries to make a deal with the terrorists and die hard. Uh, <laughs> what a deal he'd make! <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, thanks. Thanks for calling in, Mark. Um, yeah. I, could have used more jump cuts. I feel like <laughs> evidently could have used a lot more. Um, yeah, I mean, they're in a, they're in a, they're in a sticky wicket, those, uh, those CD project red folks. And, you know, they do mention in the video, a renewed commitment to, uh, getting the game right and getting uh, that they put out a very comprehensive, uh, target date, uh, for, for lots of different updates. And they're pushing back the DLC that they were going to launch to prioritize bug fixes and patches and, you know, it seems like they're doing all the stuff that you would hope uh, a company would do. So I don't know, Frank. What is your feeling on this game right now? Have you played it? Are you hoping to play it? What's what's your feeling about it? So I was extremely excited for this game. I actually did beat it. Uh, I played oh, it on PC, and uh, I kind of it, it was one of those like it'll go down in history as something that got very overhyped. I think by by press, not necessarily intentionally, maybe a little intentionally, a lot of gamer expectations, the success of The Witcher 3. But it kind of was the game I exactly expected it to be. Also having some familiarity with the IP and like, it's not my favorite IP in the world. Like I, I'm not a huge fan of the original cyberpunk yeah. like, lore that it was based on. So I kind of like braced myself for that expectation. But uh, I will say just uh, now that I'm a marketing expert, thanks to Mark, but uh, 
Also, uh, <laughs> one thing that is just so true, is I feel for everyone on that team who worked super hard on this, like no one wants their game to launch like that. And it's so out of your hands sometimes when you're not the key decision maker. And I feel like there is a lot of good work that a lot of that team did. And it just really breaks my heart to see like this will forever be the narrative about the launch of the game. And it kind of is what it is. And I guess they've made their stance known now and it's really just up to customers of like, Oh, do I want to support this or am I out? And uh, I, I feel like there was the gut punch of though, also more bad press coming out later in the week yeah. as well. Like uh, as almost a response, I, I don't think it was planned as a response to this, but uh, again, I, I just have to say my heart goes out to the people who worked hard on this for many, many years and hopefully they can still be proud of the stuff they did and, and, and in terms of the game, as I said, it was what I expected. I liked it okay. I mean, I love immersive sims. So when they announced it was going to be a little more immersive simmy versus uh, The Witcher being third person and more of, I guess, almost like an action RPG. And, and yeah. I'm not going to turn this into my <laughs> grandstanding cyberpunk review, but uh, I do think the game generally felt good. Like there was a lot of early talk like, oh, will they get the shooting right and things like that and served as like a great piece of, tech beneath again a lot of the bugs and clearly if you're trying to play it on a console very different conversation but uh it, it is just one of those things where i have to say it is a huge bummer to me to see this is the discourse this is yeah. everything and among other troubling things that have come up like there have been a lot of issues i i guess mostly over the last two years is really when they started pushing but uh i just have to default to being sympathetic to the the people actually on the ground who are actually working on this and yeah. have to deal with that fallout that's out of their control, but uh, it will be curious to see where it ends up a few years from now uh, or mm-hmm. even a few months. Cause uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I, I know some people try to mitigate saying like, Oh, the Witcher three launched badly, but I mean, clearly not even close to any of this. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I and think sort of GTA you know, there were issues with GTA 5's launch, too, because a lot of people are like, well, I guess uh, Rockstar's genius is compared. It's like, well, they had Rocky launch too, but yeah, it, this is an order of magnitude, I think, and certainly the the narrative has changed. Uh, to your point about the folks working there, part of their statement was that the team is going to bring the relevant fixes to the game without any obligatory overtime, which is nice to hear. Um, it said, avoiding a quote, avoiding crunch on all our future projects is one of our top priorities. Of course, they've said that before, but uh, it seems like a renewed a, a renewed stance on that is is to be applauded. I think. Uh, Christian, you know, uh, you, you know, take Mark for marketing's perspective, uh, w- with a grain of salt, but I think that the ultimate goal for, from a marketing perspective on something like this, if you're going to issue an apology is, do I feel better after the apology than before it? Right. And I don't know if I did. Yeah. I, I have to wonder who the apology was for. Um, they're being sued by a couple of people, um, shareholders, Uh, have to have questions, you know, major shareholders have to have questions about what this means. And they're probably looking at past launches and other infusions of cash that have kept the company afloat and what this means for the long-term profitability of the company and how big of a hit it takes. So I don't know if the apology was necessary. It's, it's walking a line, right? And it's hard, it's hard to do well. I don't, I can think of a lot more uh, apologies that are bad, than the ones that are like, they nailed it. That was, you know, like that's, yeah. that's the right tone. And I wonder too, 
to what extent, and Frank kind of uh, hinted at this a little bit, I think in, in two ways, this game is guilty or a victim of overhype and then unrealistic expectations based on past games where it was like, Witcher one. Well, it's it's a victim to the extent of eight million pre-orders. You know, I don't know how much <laughs> of a victim they are, but yes. Uh, but, and then to the extent of of when it it launched, like you know, we all all three of us on this show played it on a high end PC. Um, that it's a good game yeah. on a high end PC. It's a it's a good game. Uh, problems? Yes, the game everyone thought it was going to be. No, not everyone thought it was going to be how it how it turned out. Did it start as a last gen game? Sure, 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 sure. But like, you know, the the Witcher Three, GTA, these other games didn't have those problems, and so I don't know the numbers, but it, I would guess two thirds or more of those eight million pre orders were on a system where the game just did not run well. And I think that's a big problem of this story. And I, I think the game could reinvent itself or potentially change the narrative. Is with the now seemingly delayed next gen version of like now it's, this is the game. You know, like now console players can play the game and and maybe they can rewrite it. But I also think we're at a different time in games now where there are so many huge, great games coming out seemingly all the time. I know none are coming out this year, as Jeff predicted. (laughs) I didn't. I said they were delayed, not that they wouldn't come out at all. There would be no games this year. That's not my prediction. And by the way, every time a game has been delayed. And by the way, it's been like six announcements of game delays so far in 2021. I get Jeff, you were right. Tweet, which by the way, <laughs> totally makes that prediction worth it. That every every week, every other every two days, I get a Jeff, you were right again. It's like, yeah, yeah. You need to take it a step further, and you know you, how you can danish a game. I just want to read an article somewhere online that sit, just says, uh, "And this game too was Jeff's prediction." You know, like, yeah, that's yeah. how it is. But I think because of that, I, I'm, I'm curious if people are going to rediscover Cyberpunk months from now or a year from now like with the big expansion like so many people did so. for the Witcher. yeah i mean i think i think that's very likely i i do i think the this type of thing is happening all the time with games that uh you know we list off the the games that all the time that, that have done this no man's sky and final fantasy 14 and you know there's a whole bunch of games that completely rewrote their initial launch narrative and righted the ship and became darlings uh of you know these these like uh cult classics almost you know they have these very diehard communities that brought them back and fell in love with them and i hope that's the case with uh, this game as well i i can totally imagine that by the end of 2021 when the patches are all out that it will have a completely different perception among gamers and i hope i hope that's the case i i will just punctuate that with i'm sure like i don't begrudge the fact that uh they put out their game and possibly the worst window in terms of hardware, like OGs. Yeah. You've got two brand new consoles and yeah, you get dev kits and stuff, but like not to mention also Stadia, a big deal. And, and I think people don't realize like that is a different set of like development you have to do. Like yeah. then Xbox play, like they're all different ecosystems and this is not an excuse for them. Obviously there were major problems from top down, but that stuff is really hard. And the fact that they, ended up in a window where they had the maximum number of kind of difficult platforms to adapt to is just, well, I, as I said, this, you don't need that on top of the already hard parts to make a video game. But uh, yeah. as you said, I, no man's sky is a great point. Like, gosh, I remember when that game shipped and everyone's like, Oh, like garbage. And 
Yeah, hoodwinked. Now, we were we were lied yeah. to. I mean, people were like furious, you know. And now they've they've slowly, bit by bit, got back the goodwill of the community. And I, so it's it's possible. And I'm I'm rooting for them because I think you know I I love The Witcher, and I think this game deserves to live up to the hype. I hope it can. All right, uh, we have lots of games that we've been playing to talk about. So uh, let's get to those. But first, I want to thank. Our first sponsor, which is Squarespace. Oh, boy. I love Squarespace. If you need a website, and let's face it, at some point, everybody needs a website or multiple websites. There is no need to pay someone else to make it. There is no need to learn HTML. All you have to do is go to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and get to work. Make it yourself. It's so simple. You start with a template. They have numerous templates made by world-class designers that you start with, and then you just start messing with stuff, move it around, slide things here, insert graphics there, drop in e-commerce functionality. Do you want to sell something on your website? Easy. You just drag and drop, and it becomes an online storefront. It's so simple. Do you need to blog or publish content? Do you need to announce an event? Anything that you would need a website for, Squarespace makes it so simple that you can do it yourself. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. They have built-in search engine optimization as well. Analytics for you to mark the progress of your of your site over time, help you grow. And there's never anything to patch or upgrade ever. It's all handled for you behind the scenes. But if you run into any problems, they also have 24-7 award-winning customer support. Make it yourself. It's so simple. I I recommend Squarespace to all my friends and family, folks that really don't know much about building a website at all, because you don't need to know much. All you need to know is what you like. You can make it yourself so simply with the powerful tool set at squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. So head over there now. Go to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. You'll get your free trial. And then when you're ready to launch, you use our promo code Jeff sent me. Save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. They also sell domains. You can choose from over 200 extensions to get the domain that fits your site perfectly. Again, squarespace.com slash J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. And then Jeff sent me as the promo code as well. Save yourself 10% off. it is time to talk about the games that we have been playing and frank you have a game that i have heard so many good things about and i've been so tempted to try but i have not as of yet Uh, i'm really curious to hear your take on 13 sentinels uh yes a game again that kind of creeped up on me out of nowhere and saw a lot of people who i tend to kind of align my taste with talking about how great it was and uh it is a vanillaware game and I've played I guess all their games over the years and they're known for just this very beautiful hand-drawn style and uh it comes through wonderfully in 13 Sentinels but uh back up and explain the game it it's really interesting and do you know much like have you paid much attention to it yeah, I've Jeff, heard uh, what the the narrative is where it's kind of this like uh pop culture mashup uh, storyline with like time travel and stuff right Oh, there is, yes, quite a bit of time travel. It, 
that's what kind of like piqued my interest to in being with people who are like this game is really well written and as, as someone who likes writing likes games i i tend to try to pay attention as well and then seeing also that it was malware i was really interested but uh the actual construction of the game is really interesting as it's almost two pieces one of which is for better or worse almost like a graphic adventure that you play non-linearly like that you kind of play different segments between the 13 different characters the titular 13 sentinels uh the sentinels are their giant robots the but there are 13 people who get into them. So you kind of play like small vignettes that all weave together into a bigger story. And the gameplay is very much a graphic adventure. You walk around 2d screens, talking to each other. It's uh, fully voiced. And I have to say, uh, trying to be like an alpha, like anime fan, I said it to Japanese initially and was enjoying it. Okay. But then actually switched it over and the uh, English voice acting is actually fantastic and really up to my enjoyment of the game. It's uh, fully voiced. So it is this, uh, again, I, I just I just really call it a graphic adventure. You walk around and you just choose kind of like questions to ask. There's an interesting mechanic where you just press a button and your thought cloud comes up, which is just different topics that your character has heard about or kind of like buzzwords you can choose. And one thing I enjoy that's silly is uh, your character, like this robot voice says the buzzword when you highlight it. So it'll be like UFO movies if you select <laughs> that. And that. But uh it, it is very much just a graphic adventure. But then the other part of it is ostensibly a tower defense game, I want to say. It, it's wow. very interesting. And this part of the game is almost polarizing in how not pretty it is. It's almost like wireframes. Like it looks almost like an imagination of cyberspace. But uh, what that allows them to do is create a huge sense of scale. And basically you are piloting different robots in uh the city of tokyo i believe mostly and it's the whole city and you're defending one part but uh it's very simplistic graphics it as i said it mostly looks like wireframes and then if you like click on certain uh, uh units you can see almost like an illustration of what they're supposed to be like which will be giant fantastic mechs for the most part but what that allows them to do is do things where like like 200 little enemies are coming at you and you could shoot them all with a giant uh giant like rail gun that will kill like a hundred of them at once. So the simplicity actually allows them to create this like cool game of scale. And it is like, it's turn-based in a way, like it's, it's pretty unique. I'm describing it poorly, but it, it it's definitely nothing I expected. Cause I thought maybe it would be like a JRPG, like mechanically, but uh, it is just also so fascinating. As I said, you can play them, the two parts separately out of sequence. I believe uh, I haven't beaten it, but uh I believe you eventually do need to get to certain parts in the tower defense portion to unlock other parts and vice versa. But uh, it is wholly unique in the sense I've never played a game kind of constructed like this. Uh, But also at its core, there's a really well-acted, compelling story that if you are a fan of sci-fi, I wouldn't even go as far as saying anime, which can to some people seem as like a pejorative. Like, yes, it has a very anime style to it, but... uh, it is a pretty unique and compelling story that involves like time travel, almost like meta narrative about pop culture and genre. And I, I almost don't even want to say more to spoil it, but uh, it's really intriguing that it is 13 different characters. There is an element of time travel and just uh, characters not appearing to who they need to be. And in, in a time where I play a lot of video games as I'm sure everyone does. And I tend to be a little bit of like, 
a tourist gamer and I want to see like the new cool thing that's out, but sometimes it takes a lot for a game to hook me, but this actually like immediately got it's like mystery hooks in and seems like a really well-written, well-composed story that has, well, and I've just seen people say like, Oh, stick with it. The reveals are really worth it. So uh, yeah, that's my biggest, I'm so glad to hear you say that last part because that was my biggest worry. Honestly, the only reason I haven't picked it up yet is because I was worried that it was going to take 14 hours to get to the good stuff. You know, a lot of these, a lot of those, I mean, not to be overly generalizing, but a lot of those vanillaware games are kind of like that, where like, Oh, you just have to play for like 35 hours and then it gets good. It's like, I ain't got that kind of time. Um, you know, so I'm glad to hear that it got you fast. It's they give it to you all up front in terms of this is what the game is. There's not like a crazy amount of onboarding or anything. They tutorialize the combat stuff a little bit because that's actually a little more fiddly. But uh, as I said, the the main well, I guess it's two main parts. But the part that is the narrative part is very straightforward. It's actually a really nice like cool down game to play. Like if you just want to play something kind of cinematic, and I mean you'll want to listen to the dialogue and pay attention. Like, so it's not a game like, Oh, I have five minutes. Let me just jump in. But uh, it is segmented off. Like the chapters of the narrative part are only around five to 10 minutes. So you can sit down and actually play small chunks of it at a time, which has been great for me because I I just haven't had a huge amount of time. Like I'm going to sit down and play like five hours of this game or anything like that. So it is broken up with generous, like almost like to be continued, uh, episodic content but Mm. it's 13 different characters and you're kind of playing different threads of the narrative at the same time so even if it's in like construction it it's really creative and unique but it's not confusing thankfully like there is obviously time travel as i said and yeah some mystery but i i think it's very well handled and they want you to be asking questions and be curious to drive you forward not like it's nonsense which some games unfortunately do fall into of oh there's nothing here and as I said, I've not been it, but hearing people say like, oh, no, it really comes together has me excited because even where I'm at, I'm I'm very into it. And as I said, the performances are great, too. It, it really just I was glad to hear just that the voice cast really was selling it. And as I said, thinking I was cool putting it in Japanese was actually polarizing <laughs> to me. I, I have to stress if you are like me and think that's the way forward. No, no, no. The uh, the uh, English voice cast is fantastic, but uh, I, I would definitely recommend checking it out. It, it, it is it, it caught me off guard in a way that made me happy. I'm gonna, it's going to rocket up my list of things to, to, to take a look at uh, just based on your recommendation. Because, and, and I, I want to head off the numerous emails that are being written right now. Okay, I didn't mean sorry, to. Could you, can I you didn't click it. Yeah, I didn't look? mean to uh, use Vanillaware as a pejorative. I love Vanillaware. I think Odin Sphere is in my top like two or three PS2 games of all i loved odin sphere i loved muramasa demon blade uh so yeah don't but please hold your emails because i do love the vanilla words i mean there's like there are a lot of sprawling sort of anime-esque games that sometimes people are be like you got to play it but I, you know what i put in that category <laughs> people are, this will definitely get me emailed <laughs> persona oh, no, <laughs> the persona sure, games yeah. you know it's like you just got to play for like 200 300 hours and then you'll be hooked i'm like <laughs> I, I, I will say versus even uh well firstly versus old vanilla war games which typically were more almost like action-oriented games this yeah. is way more narrative than that because at first i was like oh is it going to be again like muramasa or like odin sphere which 
no, no, it, it's much more like a graphic adventure versus that. Not even much more. It is. It's not yeah. anything like that. So that immediately kind of hooked me because I haven't played a game like that in a long time. And I grew up like loving all the LucasArts graphic adventures and, and things like that. And it almost reminds me of that, which is really cool, but simplified in a way that's a lot more linear. But uh, and it's in like you said, like I love Persona 5, but it took me five years to beat that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what the five in is in Persona 5. It's the number of years it takes. But there was that huge ramp up, like you said. That's yeah. not, you kind of immediately get what's there, which is which is nice. For anyone who's, again, afraid of like something that would be a time sink or have a huge on yeah. I, I would definitely give it a chance, especially if you like sci-fi. If you like sci-fi and you like anime, like buy this game right now. Like you will like it, no doubt. But uh, even if you don't, I... The style is is hand drawn. It's absolutely beautiful. It's more painterly than say looking like quote just like I don't know like like animation. Like it it is really stunning, and the music is fantastic too. Like basically checking all the boxes. I, I think if you're even a little curious, like people should play this game as it is a, a really cool story and could be game. Now cool. I just sound like I'm marketing at Vanillaware. <laughs> no, <laughs> again, that's that thirteen <laughs> Sentinels Aegis Rim. Uh, and I am now uh, very, very intrigued. I'm, I'm, I've heard a lot of good things, and I, you're the first person I've talked to specifically about it. So I, I think I'm going to hop into that one. But you've also been playing a couple other things. Uh, what else is on your playlist? Uh, the other thing that I literally just played today, and I, I can't remember where you guys fall on the continuum of people who play Monster Hunter. So I think I remember you said you played it, thought it was interesting, but didn't stick with it. Monster Hunter World was the first one that I kind of got into in any real way, and I dug it. I was into it for like a month and then kind of fell out and other things captured my fancy. Uh, Christian, you resisted for a long time, but then you did it as a streamed game for your fundraiser, and then you were digging it from that perspective, right? So we're both on the periphery of Monster Hunter. We're not core fans. Well, again, I, I made that sound like I was going to be like, I'm OG Monster Hunter. <laughs> no, no, World was my intro, but I really enjoy it. And, and what I'm actually speaking to now is Monster Hunter Rise, which is their new game coming out for Switch. So Capcom's yeah. doing it. And uh, the reason I'm playing it is there's actually a free demo right now. I think it goes until the end of January. And right. uh, it's two like Monster Hunts. You can play it multiplayer. Uh, unfortunately, there is no voice chat on Switch. We've just been doing... Uh, like a discord channel while playing it but uh wait the game doesn't have it or it's through like nintendo online or the game does not have voice chat right now nor nintendo online maybe when it launches they will add it but because it's a demo so uh, it is the kind of game where you probably do want to be communicating there's a robust series of emotes and i think there's in-game chat even but uh there's no in-game chat in a switch game i gotta down like typing like if you want to really painfully <laughs> I, i've had it cute. screen christian what's the problem oh that is a good point i always forget that uh no, but no, I, I no that's not. it's bad that's bad <laughs> like monster hunter on switch sounds great to me because it's like a game that you can get a lot out of and you know as you kind of take it with you kind of things like on the couch or yeah that's sport. what monster hunter always was before yeah. world was a portable game right. yeah PSP, right was the big yeah platform then. yeah and so but yeah i don't know maybe yeah i guess there are enough workarounds now like you said frank you can just discord or whatever but I, I didn't mean to start with that negative because I am very positive on it. That is something, though, if you are someone who loves multiplayer gaming and chatting with your friends, which Monster Hunter has been great for me. It, it is one of those games we could just put on and kind of like talk with our friends and, and do the activity. But uh, this one is remarkable because, one, I feel like it's one of the prettiest Switch games I've ever seen. Wow. It is very much 
I, I guess it's been told me there are two teams at Capcom. The one team was making World, then the other team started making this. But it is definitely adjacent to Monster Hunter World. It doesn't look as pretty, but it's almost that level of quality. So I, I was initially very impressed when they showed it. I'm like, holy crap, that's a Switch game? Like, I can't believe that that's Switch. And if you A and B it with World, obviously World looks like a modern next-gen game. But uh, it is really impressive, especially in handheld mode to see. And it is a lot of the systems from World. So I know, like, as I said, I'm not a old-school Monster Hunter player, but there was a lot of friction. There's still a bit for some people, but it was a very different game before world but uh it looks like they took all the good lessons from world and put it here and then there's a really like uh visually cool eastern style to this one like there's a lot of like like the animals look like ninjas and and there's just like pagodas and the music is very uh kind of eastern influence and that looks to be like the theme versus i i don't know really what world's take on that was but uh it is portable monster hunter in really high resolution uh, or really high fidelity, forgive me. <laughs> Probably not that high resolution, all things considered. Did it, re- did it retain a lot of the things? Uh, one of the reasons I got into World is that it had a lot of these, uh, I don't know, guide rails, I guess you could say. It, it held my hand a bit more than the previous Monster Hunters did. And, and I, yes, yes. you know, having some structure and knowing where I needed to go for certain things and having the breadcrumbs and all that stuff, like, actually did help me enjoy that game more. Does it retain that stuff? Yeah, they definitely have taken a note. Like, cause I, obviously, I think like myself, a lot of people discovered Monster Hunter through World, and I, yeah. it's one of those things that's always been like an oddity to me. Like, oh, that looks so cool, but I just don't know how I'd get in. But uh, I'm excited to see it on Switch again. Just knowing the install base for Switch and the portability is—it's just one of those great games where, oh, I want to sit down and do a hunt real quick. Like. I'm somewhere else. I can play for yeah. 10 minutes and, and get in there. And it, the scale is smaller than world. Like the areas are not as big, but for me, I feel like it just brings like a focus to it. And uh, yeah. what they focused on here as well is verticality. Cause uh, they added, like you can swing around a bit. Like I won't get to the actual character. But that's the rise a, part of, hunt, of rise. <laughs> yeah, verticality. Yeah. It, it all makes sense. Yeah. I, I see that. <laughs> It's all coming together for me. But no, I'm really excited, though, to have one, just a new Monster Hunter game because there's a whole new set of loot, a whole new uh, kind of set of Monster Hunter things to fight. But uh, really excited just by that return to portability because I guess they had uh, ported one of the old DS games to uh, Switch, but it just felt so hard to get into to me because there were a lot of the older systems. And this is the more kind of the new user-friendly version. And uh I don't know. I'd say if you have even a passing interest in a Switch, download the demo. It's free and it is very well tutorialized. Like they take you through some of the new mechanics, tell you how to play it, and then you can just two, uh, hunt two creatures. And it is, I think they have all the weapons available, which is cool. So I, I'm really glad to see when companies put out like great demos like that. To, basically, we want to get our friends who don't play it to play with us. So we're like, right. oh, get the demo, get the demo. And as I said, I, I was very impressed with how it looks and runs on Switch. It, it's, uh, a cool looking game and i i've been playing a lot of world again we picked it back up uh so i'm excited to have kind of a new new entry in that series to to re-explore and awesome i always, I always just say with monster hunter it is like to me one of the greatest video game pitches the game is called monster hunter you just hunt monsters in it <laughs> yeah it literally explains everything yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. what do i do <laughs> hunt the monsters over and over and over um 
Another game that it has been a huge hit that we haven't talked about, I don't think, a single time on this show, uh, so I'm so glad that you've been playing it, is Crusader Kings 3. Uh, I know that game has been doing gangbusters on on Steam and other places, so uh, tell me about Crusader Kings 3. I feel like this year has been really fascinating for me that I've kind of gone out of my comfort zone a little bit, and this was one of the games where I feel like so many people would talk about Crusader Kings 2 and how cool it was, and tell me these amazing stories about, oh, I had a dynasty that went on and all these people betrayed, blah, 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 and would kind of tell me these amazing, like, player stories. And then I would look at what the game is and be like, there's no time for me to learn how to play it. Inscrutable doesn't even begin to cover it. Yeah. uh, But Crusader Kings is a grand strategy game, I guess is the, the cool, like, way to refer to the genre where... You literally control a dynasty over a multi-generational strategy. Yeah. Yeah. In just like a huge world map. But uh, this one is, I guess, pretty brand new. I guess it it came out. I guess I can Google when it came out, but it it is much newer. And I think that uh, Paradox, who is Paradox, the publisher, and I can't remember the studio made it, but uh, forgive me for bad intel. Paradox and Paradox. It's like Paradox development. And then the publisher is like Paradox develop, like publishing or something like that. It's you know, thank you for gaming. So I don't sound too ignorant about it, but uh, they really took it upon themselves. It looks like to create something that is a much more intro for people like me, who've always been fascinated by it, but aren't sure how to play it. But uh, I'm of the mind where I love board games. I really like games like SimCity civilization, or even like the Sims, and I'm the type of person who, like, every now and then I will dive really hard into a game like that and just, like, play it aggressively for, like, a week, but then never touch it again. And it tends to be the life cycle for me. But uh, yeah. I've stuck with this one uh, from launch because it's actually been on Game Pass, which was awesome. So I didn't even have to to buy my own copy, so to speak. I've been able to play it on Game Pass on PC. But uh, it is just so fascinating because... Uh, I guess you can beat it by like conquering the whole world. I I sound like such a novice not even knowing this, but for me, it's been just like a very explorative, fun, almost like narrative focused experience, which I don't think a lot of people think of when they think of grand strategy games, but they do a fantastic job of basically giving you a character. uh, And I think now you can actually customize that character. Initially you would just like choose, uh, I think an actually researched, uh, monarch through history in this European region. But uh, they give you a set of traits and just kind of let you get off to making decisions and running your kingdom. And lots of like on-screen prompts will basically come up, but uh, they're really wonderfully like narrative hooks. Like, oh, like a man comes to your kingdom and has been stealing. What do you want to do? It's like, oh, execute him you're Kill him every time every time <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's a poor example uh largely but little things like that that aren't necessarily like a story but start telling you a story about how yeah. you play and who you are and and that gets on a huge macro scale and goes on for hundreds of years because you die and then you're uh whoever is set to inherit your kingdom you start playing it yeah. And it seamlessly goes, and that character can be very different. You can have raised that character to start giving them certain attributes. Uh, again, I, I'm, I'm the poorest person to probably explain this large scale, but I will say what they did is this game should get just many awards for how they've handled tooltips. There are nesting nesting tooltips in this game that lead to also a bigger in-game wiki. But the brilliant thing is, is there's tons of like highlighted terms that 
have been edited down to be like readable and understandable, but you highlight it and then another tooltip will open behind it. And I think there's a few different ways you can set it to do it. But how I would say is you click your middle mouse button and it pins that. And basically while playing the game, you can thread through a tutorial at will whenever you want. I, you, I assume you could turn this off, but uh, to see like, oh, what does this system do? How does it interact with this? How does it interact? And it is the most useful thing I've ever seen. I, wow. I think Skip has experimented with this a bit as well. Yeah. But it, I'm someone who like doesn't like not knowing like when it's like, oh, your peasants are an uprising. I'm like, oh, what even is that? But like it will have a highlightable. <laughs> how do I crush it? <laughs> <laughs> how do I but, kill them? I, my <laughs> but I, I will say the appeal for me is like, because I like strategy games. I'm not a huge strategy gamer, but the the focus that they put on kind of the storytelling here and the fact that there are like, there's a lot of funny stuff. There's a lot of treacherous stuff. There's a lot of like weird, like, oh, like you can seduce many different people and and cause these kind of like little like games of chaos kind of that don't necessarily immediately end your game, but let you just kind of play something out. And it has that gameplay like Civ, I feel like a lot, where it's like, oh, just one more turn, just one more round, yeah. see how this goes. And it's just a blast to turn on. And for me, very low stakes of like, sit there and just like kind of let it run and, and I'm interacting, making decisions and playing through it, but it, it just goes in so many directions and find out how the world evolved <laughs> based on your little tweaks. Yeah. I've, I've, so many people have spoken so highly of this game as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued by it. And it is the kind of thing, like I said, it's so low stakes that in terms of it, it, you kind of fail forward a lot, which is really fun. And even the starting area, like they built it, like there's a pretty good tutorial. Honestly, I, uh, honestly, I did watch some like YouTube stuff to like clarify. There's a lot of excellent YouTube explainers because they, I think the, content creators knew a lot of new people would be coming to this as well to kind of support where I'm at. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I'm glad to be at a point where the game where I'm not confused, so to speak. Like I'm not like, yeah. what are these things every now and then something will come up and be like, Oh, why did that happen? But as I said, what's nice is it's not like it's like game over. It's something interesting will happen. Yes. Like, I oh, love gosh. that. Like, but, uh, but truly the UI is really well-designed and fascinating where you can find everything you need. And they've done some really, this is the dorkiest thing ever, but cool stuff with tool tips, but truly if you yeah. play it, you know. no, it's a, that's an art that is, I think underappreciated and I think undervalued in, in games, certainly in games with complex systems like this one, you know, you talk about Civ and I think Civ has a very strong, certainly has a strong, the, I guess they call it the, what the Civipedia or whatever, but yeah. I always find that game a little bewildering just because you can, get yourself down a rabbit hole of all these interlocking systems and you lose track of what you were doing. And the idea of like pinning things and doing stuff like that feels a little more focused. Um, And and I just have to to emphasize, like if you are someone who doesn't typically like strategy games, I still feel like this warrants a look and yes, it's the like ultra complex, like apex of strategy games, but I truly think they, they made something special with that kind of storytelling engine in there. And it, if you just like look at some content people made, there's so many hilarious and interesting like player stories that come out of this. And if, if you're someone who ever played something like the Sims or anything like that, yeah, it's very adjacent that. to that in a cool yeah. way of like, Oh, except there's, there's murder, treachery. And <laughs> oh, there's a lot of murder in the Sims. Very cool. It's something I never thought I'd get into, but I, I really find myself loving. And again, it's another great, like, I don't say as a pejorative, but cool down game where I'm not like, oh God, like yeah. action every second. Like it's, I can put it on and, and play it even in like a window and kind of just like yeah. let the turns go. So uh, I would recommend, 
Game, game Pass. Pass yep. Yeah, and Game yep. Pass. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason not to try it. Going back to Indiana Jones uh, from Story of the Week, even if it is multi-platform, that's a heck of an advertisement. You know, we talked about it before where it's like, yeah, because yeah, right. available other places. Sure. Uh, or Game Pass. <laughs> yeah, the, game, the thing you may have already been paying for. So again, that's Crusader <laughs> Kings 3. Uh, Frank comes on and just fills up all of the things that I'm going to be checking out in the next week, uh, which is pretty exciting. Um, very, very cool. Before we get to you, Christian, I do want to thank our next sponsor, which is a brand new sponsor, Liquid IV. Liquid IV uh, Video Watchers. We're now streaming on video. Uh, you can see I'm drinking it right now. You've been uh, sipping on it all, all episode. Mm, 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 mm. Ah, that's the sound of me getting hydrated. Uh, hey, the sad truth about 2020, folks, is I did not ah, live a healthy life. <laughs> I was not healthy <laughs> in 2020. No, sir, I was not. Uh, and in 2021, I'm going to turn that around. And I'm starting with liquid IV. When, when this arrived at my house, my wife said to me, oh my goodness, I'm so glad this happened. You are not what I would call a water drinker. And I was like, what does that mean? She's like, you don't drink enough water. I was like, I drink water. She's like, how many times do you refill your water bottle during the day? I'm like, no times. And she's like, exactly. So this liquid IV is going to help me accomplish my new year's resolution which is to be healthier, be more hydrated. It's amazing just hydrating your body can have so many beneficial effects. And liquid IV is like this intensely concentrated hydration jolt. You know, it's like drinking two to three bottles of water alone. It's the same amount of hydration. One serving of liquid IV provides the same hydration as two to three bottles of water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And it is healthier than sugary sports drinks. It has no artificial flavors or preservatives, and it has less sugar than an apple. It's also made with clean ingredients, non-GMO, vegan. It's free of gluten, dairy, and soy. And I have to say, I'm not the kind of person that likes vitamin waters or, or you know, flavored water. This is a packet you put into water. So you you fill up water, you put the packet of liquid IV in. IOW, right? B- bring your own water. Bring your own water, exactly. Yeah. I thought, oh, I'm going to have to hold my nose and drink this stuff. It's not going to taste good. It's got barely any sugar in it. It's, it's not going to be Delicious. It's delicious. They have numerous flavors. Uh, the one I'm drinking tonight right now is the lemon lime, which is delicious. Tastes like lemonade. Uh, they just started the new strawberry flavor. They also have acai and uh, passion fruit. It's it's actually delicious. And you can, the, the best part is that you can grab your strawberry liquid IV or their other great flavors in bulk nationwide at Costco. They're selling them in bulk at Costco now, which is pretty cool. Or because you listen to our show, you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code DLC at checkout. That's 20%, 25% off anything you order when you use promo code DLC at liquidiv.com. 
You can get better hydration today at liquidiv.com with promo code DLC. This company is also awesome. They're donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. They're getting uh, these, they're donating products to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. And they donated over 6.7 million servings globally. Check it out. Liquidiv.com, promo code DLC. Hydrate yourself. All right. Sounds sounds delightful. (laughs) It's really good. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is on your playlist? Well, I'm very lucky that this was a busy news week. Um, My week sucked. Um, I had a bad week. Uh, I'm sorry to hear it, my friend. Yeah. it's Same with me. (laughs) My show got canceled this week. Yeah, that also. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, My dog died this week. Um, I'm sorry. No, I'm so sorry. Uh, it was a bad week, but also I can't talk about what I'm playing. So I'm glad <laughs> based on the timing of this show, I'm yeah. not allowed to talk about what I've been playing a lot of. Um All right. well I'm, we I'm, we'll move on from that then and someone else can go. Yeah. Yeah. I am I am also not allowed to talk about that thing, but we'll talk about it next week. Um, yeah, the, uh, embargo for a thing is, uh, up, uh, after the show comes out. So, uh, we will talk about it next week, but in the meantime, I checked out a, uh, a new game that just hit steam, an indie game, uh, that launched at a whopping 40% off discount, which I think is still active. If you're hearing this right when we came out, I think it's still active through the end of this week. It's a game called Yaga and it just, uh, struck my fancy looking on, on steam for, new interesting stuff it seemed like a game kind of up my alley and i dig it a lot uh usually those games that launch at, at huge discounts are you a little you get a little worried because it's like why are you launching at a huge discount this one i picked up for like less than 15 bucks but it has really delighted me it's called yaga y-a-g-a and it is a sort of a uh brawler fighter it, it reminds me actually a lot of children of morta uh, which, as you know, Christian, was my game of the year for 2019, I believe. Yeah, 2019. Um, my number one ga- game of the of the whole year. So it's kind of similar to that. It's a, a bit of a roguelike-ish, bit of a, uh, you know, this this kind of um, action, uh, you know, top-down action brawler type game, just like Children of Morta was. Uh, but the I think the, the real charm of Yaga is... It's storytelling. This is a really fun, beautifully told game, beautifully illustrated game. It's got all this wonderful hand-drawn art, very painterly, very uh, very storybook-looking, big, chunky figures. Uh, and it's the story of this guy, Yvonne, who uh, loses an arm and uh, leaves his house trying to... Uh, you know, find fame and fortune and, and find a wife. He wants to find a wife, but he, he lost his arm in a, in the prologue in a, a horrible attack. And uh, so he can, he eventually can construct, he's a blacksmith and he can construct things and put them on his arm stump. And uh, so you can upgrade that stuff. You can upgrade your weapons, your weapons break like Breath of the wild style uh, so you're constantly making new weapons from stuff that you find in the world and find ways to make those weapons cooler and cooler. Um, he's got like a base hammer that you can always fall back on if your weapons break. But 
you can make these really cool, interesting weapons that have all kinds of cool perks on them, uh, and then they break. The levels themselves are kind of wacky and interesting. You and you come to these strange little nodes in places, and and you get little bits of story and fun things to do. There are checkpoints that you can move between that are these ovens, like a big stone oven. And to move from checkpoint to checkpoint, you get on top of the oven and it flies to the next oven. I, I don't understand what that's about, but it's, it's, it's very quirky. And there are a lot of really cool systems. Like you are constantly um, in dialogue, uh, making choices that can fall in a variety of dispositions. You can be righteous, you can be aggressive, you can be greedy, you can be all these different things. And they keep track of all that stuff and that affects the story going forward, what kind of a person. And more importantly, it affects what kind of potential boons you get from level to level. So the whole story is being told by these witches, the the Baba Yaga witches. And throughout the game and, and between levels and stuff, you're constantly like pulling back, zooming out to these witches who are looking at through their cauldron, look, watching Yvonne journey through his story and they are you know telling the tale it's all voice acted very very high quality voice acting and they are telling the tale and they will say certain things like uh it was a tuesday and therefore he was at the top of his game but each of the different witches around the cauldron you know think macbeth or something with the the three weird sisters uh each of the witches is telling the story in a different way and so you get to choose which version of the story you want. So it's like, it was a Tuesday. No, it was a Wednesday. No, it was a Thursday. But depending on which day you choose it having been is a different boon you get, a different buff. And there's lots of stuff like that. Like depending on which disposition you're constantly reinforcing, you have different ways to affect your character, give yourself different benefits in the course of the levels. Very clever ways to do kind of standard roguelite type stuff but i just love the flair and panache of it all the 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 storytelling is very strong the dialogue is fun and funny and interesting and the look is really really great the combat is what's that it's just, it looks stunning. Like I, yeah. I just dropped the scene page. I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah, it's just oh, very. Yeah, very no, it, it's a really cool. It doesn't look like any other game. I think it has a really distinct artistic style. But the combat is the only slightly disappointing bit. It, it's perfectly serviceable and fun, especially when you are getting more and more crazy uh, upgrades to your equipment and magical items and things that you can use. I just wish it felt like the combat from something like a children of Morta because it, it does come. It's a little staccato. It's a little simplistic. It never really feels super skill based. You have a role that you can avoid things and you have a stamina bar that you, it's used up when you roll or block uh, and you have a, a ranged attack and a melee attack. You have all the bits that you would want in something like this, but it doesn't feel like a Hades it doesn't feel like a Children of Morta. It doesn't feel like a Dead Cells. There are these tight, really crisp combat systems that just feel, you know, perfect and well executed. This one, eh, it's just not quite there. But I don't think it holds the game back 
to the point where I wouldn't recommend it. I do think it's, especially for 15 bucks, it's a pretty fun experience. I, I mean, I'm not at the end of it, but it has uh, entertained me quite a bit. And and I, I really dig the world and I really dig the type of game that it is. And it has all of these wonderful surprises. I mean, in the very first, I think the first level, you you meet a giant chicken, like an, an enormous chicken that you have to uh, give a, you know, have to find an ear of corn to make it move out of the way so you can get past it. And I mean, there's all kinds of wacky, weird, quirky stuff that make it feel like a special kind of game. But I just wish the combat was a little tighter, a little more Bastion-esque or, or you know, these games that have really great combat of that type. But anyway, that game is called Yaga. It is I think it's 25 bucks full price, but right now it's 40% off. So uh, I would snatch it up if you're at all interested. I will definitely check that out. That looks real cool. It, is it run based or is it level based? Like, or is it, it is, it, it is more run based. It, it is, uh, I mean, you, you're progressing through the story in a, in a linear way. You're doing quests, you're going, you're, you're walking through cities. And, and so it's not quite like run, like you would think from a dead gotcha. cells, but it is, um, but it's not level based either. I mean, you're get you're upgrading your equipment. You're buying. You're able to. You're getting blueprints for new kinds of weapons and new uh, uh, things that you can. You get like a hook shot really early on on your your missing arm uh, that you build out of a um, um, a uh, what are those a pitchfork a pitchfork and a and a chain. Um, and it's it's got a lot of clever ideas, and I think it's well worth people's time. It's called Yaga. All right, um, let's do a little bit of tabletop time. Tabletop time, tabletop time. Right now, right now. Frank, as we were talking about having you come on this week, you were saying to me, I definitely want to do tabletop time. So I'm, I'm excited. It's <laughs> It's few and far between since the pandemic started because I just uh, I haven't really been playing board games at the pace I used to. Uh, they are staying on the shelf much more than I would like. Uh, but I'm so glad to talk to somebody that loves designer board games. And I'm curious what you've been playing. Uh, so as you said, it has been difficult, obviously, since we've been in lockdown. We've not well lockdown, but have not been able to get to the actual table but uh i have to say there's been a lot of great solutions at least for online gaming like i've been using tabletop simulator a lot obviously mm-hmm. roll 20 is a big one uh yeah but uh i love board games i am a rules nerd like i love learning intricate heavy board games at this point like Thank you yeah and it, it's so funny because you look at something like board game geek right and you see like the heaviness rating and i know i'm so far past the veil now because when it's like this is really heavy i'm like is it though and it's like oh well <laughs> i'm not gonna teach my my dad to play this game I realize. And, and that brings me to uh the game that interestingly i bought and have not played but i watched a few playthroughs and learned the rules reading through but uh to give this a little bit of backstory i recently rewatched the lord of the rings films they came out in 4k and it uh, dawned on me that there is a game called Lord, uh, excuse me, War of the Ring. That is a two-player Lord of the Rings, uh, I guess, strategy game, like map control game. I, I don't even know 
the easy way to sell it, but it's called uh, War of the Ring. It's one of those games that I've always heard people talk about, like as like, oh, like that's an awesome game you got to play, and it's long and complex, but it's really cool. And uh, while watching the movies, that dawned on me, like, oh, now's the perfect time. Like I will sit down and have my partner who lives with me play this long two player game. But uh, in researching it, uh, have you played it, Jeff? I'm curious or, or Christian. I guys- don't think I've played this one. This is the one with like all of the crazy minis. as yeah, aren't like, giant like, risk almost. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. the thing. Like I, I'm a sucker for a giant board, lots of little pieces, yeah. but, uh, but the interesting thing about it is it really makes me think of uh Rebellion, the Star Wars game that came out yeah. recently, that insofar it is a, a two-player game. One person plays as the Fellowship and the Forces of Men, and then the other players, the Forces of Sauron. And it's asymmetrical, whereas Sauron's army is trying to find the Fellowship and stop them, basically corrupt them or control a certain number of strongholds on the board. And the Fellowship has almost like a hidden movement game going where mm. they're trying to sneak to Mordor and get the ring uh get the ring destroyed obviously but the fascinating part of it is one that's asymmetric which is for me just always a delight up front uh that the two sides do play different but uh both can win through the pure mechanics of combat and in owning basically a certain number of strongholds on the board but it is and i think it's ranked on board game geek as like number like three in theme again not that that's anything to anyone but theme and board games is so fascinating to me but because this game like bleeds Lord of the Rings theme, like simple yeah. things. It's mechanics. Like, okay, obviously the forces of men have much less troops than Sauron. And, and that's why I say it gets like rebellion where like they've actually thought out like almost the storytelling of Lord of the Rings in the game mechanics. And uh, a really fascinating thing that happens in these games is because it is based on the Tolkien's original Lord of the Rings. There are a bunch of events that come up that are clearly things that happen in the story, but they can come out wildly out of sequence. And obviously different characters can die or leave the fellowship or, or die on Soren's side. And it just creates this really fun remix of Lord of the Rings that if you are a fan of that content, it's just exciting to see like, Oh my gosh, Gandalf didn't die. And now like, I don't know, Boromir is like the king of everything and destroyed. And it just creates a really fun little, like, twist on that narrative while also being a really solid game. And uh, I was delighted to see that this game uh, does a lot of things that I think a lot of other games in this genre, like have adapted from either uh, probably Twilight Imperium, like was a grandfather of a lot of these mechanics, but uh, also risk as you mentioned, but uh, things like, Oh, you have like grand fights with armies, but in this game it is dice roll based, but uh, it's, very clean in a way that I think some of the games, even like rebellion, which I think is a very cool game, but there's just a lot of fiddly rolling back and forth and like calculating hits. But uh, this is fairly streamlined. And I think the combat cards like have a lot of flavor to them because they're event cards rather than just like, Oh, you get two combat points. Like it'll, it'll feel like Lord of the Rings is happening. And uh, I don't know. It just, uh, the hard sell for me is that it's a two player game, which is always rough. Like with, my bigger board gaming groups. Like we like to play either cooperative stuff or stuff that multiple people play. But I think from a pure, like one, like we're in a time where a lot of people might be stuck inside with limited people. uh, Or I think there is a uh, version on tabletop simulator. I'm not sure if it's just like a weird, like fan mod or something you can actually pursue, but uh, 
it does a lot of those cool strategy adjacent, like risk, like mechanics that I really enjoy. And uh, I think it's definitely, if you're a fan of Lord of the Rings and technical, uh, oh gosh, technical, but like heavier board games, I, yeah. I don't think this one is, I don't think this one is complex in its like base mechanics. It's just that there's a lot of them, I would say like there's yeah. a lot of little things to remember, but uh, one thing that, uh, gosh, I wish I had written down the playthrough I watched. People have supported this game for a while. I think it came out in 2012 or 2013. So there's a lot of like errata forms or just like little like streamlined like uh, sheets you can find online that have basically all the like commonly forgot rules. But uh, but definitely just seems like a delight. And, and I did physically get a copy and the scale of it is awesome. Like there are different minis for all the different regions. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it on, on Board Game Geek right now and it does look like an epic box uh there's a really uh, a really fun review that uh shut up and sit down did that i think was very positive where they again they're they're excellent on hyping it up and and being fun in a short way but uh i've watched a few playthroughs again i haven't physically played it yet which is killing me but uh it is definitely up my alley like one of my favorite games is actually the modern game of thrones board game yeah i love the mechanics of like the win state being like once you're holding seven keeps like it's over and that's that's the like core win state here where you can win that way but uh also there are those two objectives of you're searching for the fellowship or the fellowship can actually destroy the ring and Mm. just a a lot of cleverness and a simple thing that i just find really interesting too is every turn you roll dice to see what your actions are which i think is a lot more kind of dynamic and fun versus like oh like i know i can always do these three things and i think uh, even just watching the playthrough that creates a lot of tension of like oh i really want to do this one action but i can't get it but everything you can do is useful to mitigate that thankfully but uh let's say just one of those games that's always been in the back of my head that i never was like oh do i have the time to actually sit and learn it uh right but uh that's uh, War of the Ring, and uh, it is on. Looks like it's on Amazon right now for 110 bucks. Woo! Big, 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 huge box. Um, all right. Uh, you also wanted to talk about Dungeons and Dragons, one of my favorite topics. Oh yes, uh, yes. I, I feel like I'm like hawking all my wares today. But uh, but D and D, yes. Uh, so I'm a. Oh, gosh, I. My history with TNT is very strange because I remember seeing it like aggressively advertised in Marvel comics in the like late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. And I think I actually bought like when they rebranded it advanced Dungeons and Dragons, I think I like, I was still pretty young. So I think I like got it at Toys R Us. And that was my first time where I realized what it was like, Oh, this is like whatever you want it to be. Like you're kind of like <laughs> telling yeah. stories. And, and I remember I ran a session that was just pure, child nonsense with like my brother and my cousin and but i remember being like that was extraordinarily fun like that was crazy like we we quickly latch on to like my brother's like well i want to like jump on the dragon and like pull out its tongue and we figured out dice rolls for that but uh yeah. then i just did not play ever again like i was i would always <laughs> see people playing at the comic book shops i would go to like yeah. to various degrees of excitement or polarization <laughs> i would see people having fights about dnd sometimes it got a little little rowdy but uh i was really excited to see it come back into just kind of like the the zeitgeist and have a have myself like watch a lot of like live play shows and jeff i know you're very familiar with that but uh 
but just really like started paying attention again. And then 5e came out and I was really fascinated by it. And I bought like obviously the player's guide and everyone always says to me as like a writer, like, Oh, you should run a D and D game. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, finally a year ago we started and it has been just such a delightful experience and taught me so much. I think about it, almost more, almost like game design versus writing. Cause like, yeah. yeah, like I can write a story like and tell someone it'd probably be enjoyable. But when you're creating like a session to actually like engage people and let your players play in a space, it, it's been so fascinating to me to really learn like, oh, I need to give them stuff to do in the scene, not just tell yes. them. And just the delight of like hanging out and having fun. And we've done ours all digital uh, through Roll20. And I'm, I was using a book to support myself because I didn't want to take the amount of time it would take to probably craft something, but we quickly like went off book and have found our own pace. But uh, I guess really what I want to say is just anyone out there who's like afraid to play D and D just start, like just remember it's about having fun. Just like it's not. And that's why I think five E is so great. I think you can probably speak to it much more than me, but I think five E like really just gives you a set of tools to hang out and like have fun, which I think is, because the origin of how we even started playing is we were playing Gloomhaven online, which was oh really pretty, yeah, and, and I really enjoy Gloomhaven, but it's so technical and so crunchy, and we like is it like, though? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have to say the the tabletop simulator version digitizes a lot of it, which actually made it a lot easier because I've played in person and there's a million things to set up. But we we were just enjoying hanging out and being in a fantasy setting, and we were just like, "Do we just want to play D and D? Like, I think that's <laughs> what we want." And, I, and yeah. someone said it. I'm like, you know what? Like, I'll read a book and and figure out a campaign. But uh, but I think especially now, like this time, like it, being stuck inside can be very lonely. But like D and D is like a great way to like do something that. It, and again, your mileage will vary based on how you want to run the game. But like, kind of just let people explore a little bit and like live outside themselves. And I know this is turning into a very like weird meta hippie thing, but like, I think now this is the perfect time for it. And if you are even remotely curious, I I think 5e is extremely accessible. And I know like I'm a writer, but honestly, beyond that, I think the tool sets they give you like are really easy to just get in there and start playing. And that is, I, I think the hardest part for everyone is just, getting a schedule going but uh that is the hardest part yeah adults doing anything right once a week with everyone has stuff to do but uh but truly i've just been delighted to like kind of discover really what the game is and and literally just last week like we made up like a card game in our game and it became super funny and and refreshing and and for me as a writer it's just so fascinating because it always goes completely different than how i was playing (laughs) oh yeah for sure and And that's the joy i mean that's the joy it's like it becomes like any improvisation, right? It becomes, it's nobody's it's, it's because everybody contributed that it is greater than the sum of its parts. It is, it becomes this third thing. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's ours. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I've been heartbroken this week that we had to stop doing, uh, we had the last dungeon run. And I'm so sorry to, to go in there on that note, but no, 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 no. What a great, what a great celebration. yeah, thank you. It, it, it's um, we are determined to keep the the story going, and we're figuring that out as as we speak. But um, but it reminded me. I mean, I looked back and and kind of reassessed the the whole seventy seven episodes that we did over three hundred hours of 
fantasy content that we created. And it, it really is the greatest compliment that we got was people like you're talking about people just trying it thinking like, Oh, well, I can do that. And it, it is, there's no, it, it should not be intimidating. It is really all just about getting together and facilitating some fun with your friends. And 5e is very simple to learn. Uh, they literally give out a free PDF of like, I think it's two pages total as all the inf- information yeah. you need to know. Just get started. And even as a DM, you don't need to know much more than that. It's it's really about telling stories and and sharing good times and letting and and yeah, th- that's the when you're talking about game design, that's the biggest thing that I learned uh, in doing a long. I played a lot of D and D before, but doing it long form like this consistently every single week because we were doing a show, it really hammered home this this notion of how you allow the players to make it make give them the sense and sometimes it's authentic but sometimes you're just providing the uh, the illusion that they are coming up with the idea of what happens next you know and, and i think that's what video games do in a large sense is this this feel the best of them that is uh, make you feel like you made the decision that was what they intended for you to do all along you know i mean i, I think of games like portal you know, in Portal, I go, I just broke the game to finish this level. And it's like, no, that was what they wanted <laughs> you to do. But you feel like you are being the creative one. And there's so much game design in that of uh, giving someone uh, signposts and things that they can put together and feel like they're making the connection rather than the game just straight up telling you what to do next. And, um, yeah, and, and just as someone who's... I was always more of a JRPG versus CRPG person growing up. And I, I played CRPGs and liked them. I, I very embarrassingly like, remember I bought Baldur's gate and did not like it and gave it to someone else. Like, oh, and wow. I'm so embarrassed by that now because I love that <laughs> game. And I'm like, I can't believe I just like missed the plot of Baldur's gate. Yeah, yeah. Was, uh, a teenager, but, uh, but it is so fascinating to see, and there's many good like documentaries and videos about it, but just the origins of almost role-playing video games coming from D and D. And like, for me as an adult storyteller, like seeing that overlap has been so fascinating and living it has been like, like through running the game of being like, Oh, this is probably what they were thinking about when they started making something for NES, even like they wanted to imitate this. Yeah. And uh, I will just end plugging someone else's product on that. But uh, the new Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate three and early access I ended up like enjoying so, so much more because I knew so much about 5e and seeing yeah, the clever right? things they've done with 5e and like how they adapted that rule set. But uh, yes, I agree. But, uh, the, the thing I will end on and, and I think everyone knows, and it's the thing everyone had told me about D and D, which sounded a little just like warm and fuzzy, but it's so true. Like this stuff ends up feeling real to you. Like these are real memories you make and like mm-hmm. people will probably tell stories from your table for a long time. And as I said, I, I think now when, We've had a really hard year and you probably haven't seen a lot of people who you've hung out with. Like if you can make some time to play D and D and just do like a one shot, I think it is a great way to kind of like spend some time with your friends and, and do something that is an activity that will, yeah. will be fondly remembered versus just yeah. I don't know, many other things. But uh, yeah, it, I, I found the fun in D and D it took me uh, almost 40 years of living to get there, but uh, I see what the hype is now. He just put out a new book to um, Mysteries from Candlekeep. I think it's called something like that. Um, my friend Amy Vorpal wrote uh, a, a one shot and there's a whole bunch of really wonderful, diverse people that they got 
to write one shots. Um, and so that's a great place to start too. And again, people are intimidated by numbers and math and all this stuff. And it really is just a layer to facilitate fun storytelling. And I mean, literally in the rules for Dungeons and Dragons, fifth edition, it says any of this stuff you don't want to use, ignore it. Like throw out whatever you don't need. We're here literally to just help you have fun. And I've always taken that to heart, that, that feeling of, you know, use what is useful, throw out what it, what isn't and have a great time. And um, so kudos to wizards for understanding wizards of the coast for understanding that. Uh, But I think it's, it's something that more people need to hear. I think you're, you're saying great stuff about it. No, no, absolutely. Again, take it from me. I I never thought this year I would get into Dungeons and Dragons, but I'm so (laughs) glad. And so many people people out there primed to do it too. I mean, it's never been a better time for it's more, people know about it and people are ready. I think if you're, you know, bringing it up with your group of friends, like, hey, let's give it a shot. It's, it's the hilarious. Just quick aside is one, a friend, a, a more of an acquaintance, someone I knew who was trying to break into comics actually was one of the founders of roll 20. And I met him years ago at, at Comic-Con and he was talking about roll 20 and then to see it go become what it's become. I'm just wow. like, well, you, you did well. And, and a designer I work with a lot, a, uh, gentleman named Dylan Todd, who's a fantastic comic book designer and, and graphic designer, uh, I believe is their full-time designer now as well. So it's just so crazy. The, the things people can go off and make, but, uh, but yeah. also a, a great tool set to just get online that I do think is largely free. And were you guys using roll 20 on, on dungeon run? No, we were free? very fortunate. We had a custom like, okay, yeah. It, yeah, it was huge. It was VR. It was wild. It was That's really, right, okay. really cool. Four people. In fact, in the most recent episode, if anybody's interested, we did a behind the scenes little peek at what it took to put on our map room. Uh, and it, I think it blew people's minds because when I, people would be like, can we do it in our home game? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took four full time people in VR headsets manipulating stuff in the world. It was quite a production. Uh, but we get a little behind the scenes in the last episode. Um, all right, Christian, uh, you got some tabletop time stuff, I think, around the holidays, right? You, you want to mention? Yeah, we've been playing uh, a bit as a family. Um, I'll start with a story that that gets to a game. So New Year's Eve, not too long ago now. Um, and for the past few years, I've told my kids, like, you can stay up. Sure. Like, knowing full well, they're not going to stay up. You know, like, my kids are... Midnight on New Year's, yeah. Yeah, my kids yeah. are eight and five uh, now. And this year, my youngest... We got very cranky. We were like, you don't have to. It's not, you're not, you're not close. You know, <laughs> not close. It's not it's 830. <laughs> <laughs> you're not close. Uh, and she got cranky and she kind of stormed off and we kind of went and checked and she had like just got up and put herself to bed, which was just like the most adorable thing. Like a little five-year-old going on, putting herself to bed. And we, she's like tucked in and everything and everything set up and going to bed. And we saw that then my oldest came running down and comes into my wife and I, and she's like, she's asleep. Can we play adult games now? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, what do you, what, what do you want to play? Because in our we have a big dresser drawer full of board games, and on the right, there are kid games, and on the left, a, not adult, not, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. More complex games. And she's like, the game's on the left side of the drawer. They're like, <laughs> cards against humanity, mom and dad. Let's do it. <laughs> We're like, yeah, you know, go, go, go pick, go pick one out or whatever. And it was just like 
the light in her eyes to be like, oh, staying up late. You know, it was really, really, really fun. Yeah. She picked out what adult um, game did she pick? It's it's a game called um Tied and Bound. I don't know if I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> <It's> God. <laughs> uh, just one, which I've talked about on the show before. Oh yeah, yeah. Great game. Great yeah, game. Cool game. She had tons of fun with it. Um, I thought that was a, it was a cute story. And she made it to midnight. Uh, the next okay. day was brutal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but probably her most memorable New Year's Eve so far. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'll never forget when I was a kid, just super fast. I'll never forget when I was a kid, you know, in the, in the eighties when trivial pursuit was like at the height of its popularity and every adult grouping in the world was playing trivial pursuit. Um, my parents had a party such as it was because some couples over and they were playing trivial pursuit. And I never forget my dad calling me into the room because they got some Marvel comics question and he <laughs> needed my expertise. And it, I, I don't can't, even remember what age I was, but young enough that that was like the greatest moment of my life. And from then on, I kept asking my dad, like, anytime you guys are playing and you need my assistance, just let me know. You know, just let me know. I'm in the next room. I'll be, I'll be in there in a second, you know, just tell. And it was probably the most obvious because trivia pursuit questions are always like the one thing you know from any topic, you know? Anyway, go ahead. I like picturing like little Jeff's answer being like, well, you know, yeah, that's actually a, that's actually a very good question. You know, it's like a lot of people just think of Peter Parker as Spider-Man, but if you look back over. Yeah, no, that's exactly <laughs> what it was, dude. It's like, it was, I was answering such like he brought me in and I was answering such a, like a deep dive, like what <laughs> villain was. I was like, well, maybe it's the Beyonder because, you know, in Secret Wars two, the Beyonder and I'm like, no, it's Doc Ock, dude. It's the one it's the, the most, you know, it's the one villain everyone has heard of. <laughs> anyway, It's really funny. Uh, yeah. Kind of similar to Frank and, and playing D&D. My daughter got um uh it's called let's play pokemon and it's like a theme deck for um the tcg pokemon game and i don't know if it's branded similar to let's go eevee let's go pikachu but it's it's two themed decks and one is a pikachu themed deck and the other is eevee themed deck and it is a starter kit for the pokemon tcg and it gives you everything you need to play and just here are your decks you know shuffle them and all that stuff but rule set coins damage and and then you have what you need and both decks are fairly balanced which is phenomenal especially for someone learning how to play it's not like yeah sure kid i'll play you here's my <laughs> oh, ho ho look at that oh dang look who just showed up to play oh oopsie 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 you're done it's balanced decks so you have like a fair play experience regardless of which deck you're playing and it's a really nice welcoming way into that world because for me growing up a lot of those tcg games were my like uh desire to be ripping packs all day plus addiction to have a really great deck like really consumed me (laughs) in a lot of things and so for her to come into this game and kind of get an understanding of the basics and be able to play it without the stress of we spent this money on these packs. We don't have anything good. I don't have the deck I want. I want to use this card, but I don't have the energy that best supports it. Um, it makes for a really fun, rewarding, and relatively quick tabletop experience that's played with two people. So it's been something we've played a lot. And I think if you have a kid and you kind of want to introduce them to the world of, of a TCG, I think the Pokemon game is generally considered a lighter version, uh, especially compared to some. 
in this let's play. I don't know if there are others or not, but it's the let's play um, Pokemon starter pack packs um, that come bundled Very together. Cool. It's been super fun. Um, and I highly recommend the other one. I don't know if I've talked about Uno attack is the best version of Uno. It's so okay. good. And Uno just still just a game like even if you like scoff at like sit down and play Uno you will be having fun. Yes. In a yeah, like, it's a great game to introduce to kids too. It's yeah, Uno it's like, by, it's like how Monopoly Deal is the best Monopoly. Uno Attack is the best Uno. I, it's if you don't know, it's Uno, right? Everybody knows Uno. It's the Xbox game where you would show your private parts over the webcam, um, and Uno Attack is. You, you has I don't like know a how you plan. <laughs> <laughs> it has a card launcher. So instead of drawing a card, if you can't play, you push this button. Sometimes it spits out two cards. Sometimes it's like eight, and it's a really fun, satisfying, you know, moment that happens. And the randomization of how many cards you're going to get each time in those Uno moments adds variability to the play experience. That is, I mean, it's it's laugh out loud fun, especially with like your family and kids where. You know, someone has to push the button four times and no cards come out any time. And it kind of feels like you're playing hot potato and it's like, well, I have to push it yeah. once. And it's like a cool physical device that actually launches the cards. Like, yes. a, Yeah. Cool. It's really, really nice. So regular Uno, great. It fits in, you know, your back pocket and you can bring it with you and, and have it, you know, at the airport when people do that again and stuff like that. But for a sit down with your family, my money is on Uno Attack. Ever, and chat saying Uno spin is better. Jake's, I don't, I will Uno attack you on this one. Uno attack, <laughs> Uno attack is fantastic. Highly Card recommend. launcher. I'm not, I, I'm not an Uno uh, expert, but I will double down on the fact that Monopoly Deal is actually a good game. <laughs> I'm not an right. Uno expert, but I will talk about a different game. I will talk about Monopoly Deal. Um, all right. Um, that's going to do it for Tabletop Time. And uh, our show, I do want to thank our last sponsor, which is another new sponsor. And we have all been through a crazy year. Uh, we're in a new in 2021 and things are looking up. Gosh, I hope, I hope, but if you're like me who literally lost two jobs this year, <laughs> I lost two jobs in uh, the, from the time that COVID started. Uh, if you're like me, saving money should be at the top of your list. Uh, so if you're still paying insane amounts of money every month for wireless service, what are you doing? Switch to Mint Mobile. It's the easiest way to save this year. And as the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you maximize your savings with plans that start at just 15 bucks a month. Wah! Compare that to like three or four times that that people pay a month for mobile. 15 bucks a month from Mint Mobile! By going online only and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes significant savings on to you. All the plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep the same phone number that you've had along with all your existing contacts. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month to get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free go to mintmobile.com/dlc that's mintmobile.com 
slash DLC. Cut your unlimited wireless bill at mintmobile.com slash DLC. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for that. But Frank Barbary, thank you so much for being here. It's been a, so much fun having you. Thank you so, so much. Again, I'm, I'm glad to to get such a fun news week and, and talk about some games I genuinely love and hope some people check out. Yeah, uh, it was it was great. I mean, you've you sold me on at least two games this week, so I'm 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 excited. Uh, Tell folks where they can keep up with you and the stuff that you make online. Uh, so the best way to kind of keep track of me like so many is Twitter. And uh, as I mentioned to Jeff and Christian, unfortunately, my handle is not my name. It is at Atlas Incognita, which uh, I assume will be in some kind of show notes. But uh, I typically tweet about the comics I'm working on, the games I'm working on. Uh, and it's the best way to follow me. Fantastic. Christian Spicer, how about you? What do you got going on this week? Well, it's Girl Scout cookie season, y'all. Whoa. And because of uh, COVID. You're eating? You're eating a lot of things. I'm eating (laughs) a lot of Girl Scout cookies. Come that you quick, yeah. (laughs) Because of of, of COVID and and they've changed kind of the selling rules for how you can do things. Because it's structured. It's organized. But my two girls are both selling Girl Scout cookies. And if people want, they can. I posted it on the subreddit. It's a... uh, you know, like gsdigitalcookie.com slash cookie. Did you, did you, we, we ha, did you sponsor the show? Did you pay our sponsor fee for this? Cause I feel like this is a, this is my kids. We're using the show to pimp your kids. Girl Scout cookies now? Is it, isn't it like a contest? Are they going to sell like a million cookies? No, now? they're not. They're not. They're not. But if people want. Daddy's podcast helped us win this car. <laughs> Change the rules on what you're allowed to. Basically, it makes it hard for them to set up a booth. You can't do these things. We are locked down. Sure. Very right. serious. Sure. We've got to go digital. we got to go podcast. That's the only way to do it. Yep. So if you go to the subreddit, there's the link. It's on this week's show notes, episode 374. There's the link, and then each of my daughter's unique code. Um, wow. You can still girl delivery or ship to your door. Unless you know me, I'll be honest, uh, my girls aren't delivering them to you in Alabama. <laughs> I love you. But don't select that option because it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> they can ship them to you. Um, so support my daughters and Girl Scouts in a good cause. So go to the subreddit. Uh-huh. There's a link there in each of the girls' codes. Um, and that's what I'm, you asked what I'm doing this week. It's a big endeavor to get my my wife is both troops cookie chair. This is we're in it, oh, my, my friend. You're in it. Yeah, you are a part of the cookie industrial complex. At this <laughs> point. In the thing I need in my house is more treats so yeah give me uh, them samoas give me them samoas dude they're so good they're give all me so them samoas good. yeah and, and as an adult you know you're gonna eat the whole box it's fine oh yeah like, let it happen 2020 is yes. over so they make boxes so small because they are single serving <laughs> packages <laughs> yeah so you can find that on the subreddit uh again it's in the episode 374 uh discussion thread you can find the link and stuff like that there otherwise twitter is the uh Best way to keep in touch, it is at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. And this show I stream now with video it's on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. You can find it here Sundays at 7.15 p.m. Pacific time most weeks. We made the pivot to video, everybody. Just like 15 years late. I hear it's going to be big. 
We're gonna. It's gonna be big. Hey, <laughs> you can also uh, tweet at me, the guy with the thumbs, uh, at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, I have some other shows for you. Fewer and fewer all the time, but I have some other shows for you to check out, uh, including the Slash Film Cast, a fantastic weekly look at movies and TV shows. Uh, what are we reviewing this week? Ooh, yeah, a, a really great movie called One Night in Miami. Uh, we're reviewing this week over at the Slash Filmcast. SlashFilmcast.com is where you find that. I urge you to check it out. Also, I do a science podcast that uh, is uh, wrapped in comedy. If you want to learn something and laugh along the way, check out We Have Concerns. WeHaveConcerns.com is where you find that. Just got an amazing new animation that it took somebody three this guy named Sean, three years of his life to animate a two-minute segment of our show. It is unbelievable. It's like Saturday morning cartoon quality. Uh, beyond that, it's like Don Bluth quality. It's phenomenal. Anyway, we have concerns.com is where you find that show. And uh, the Dungeon Run on a hiatus. I'm calling it a hiatus. A little, uh, We're working hard to try to bring that show back. Very proud of the Dungeon Run. But you can... Watch all of the previous episodes uh, by searching for The Dungeon Run. They're still on YouTube there. They're still available as an audio podcast. Uh, we had an outpouring of emotional support from the audience uh, because the story is so beloved. People love the, the story. So check it out. Get on board. Now's the perfect time to catch up while we're figuring out how to finish off the story. Also, I, oh, go ahead, please. I would say I'm so bad at promoting things I'm involved with, but uh, also Dark Cyrus Genesis. You guys have been so wonderful in, in promoting on the show, but uh, it is currently available on every conceivable platform, a uh, game we released at my company airship syndicate. Gosh, a, already a year ago about, but uh, yeah. please, please it, it's on game pass. If you have game pass for PC and Xbox, I believe uh, check it out. It's, it's a fun one. I'm biased, but it was a top five faves of the year for me. The year it it's came on game out. Pass. What, what else is there to say? It's on game pass. Just play it. Just <laughs> play, play it. Uh, Right on your smart fridge. I don't know. Whatever you can yeah, do. Play it on your smart fridge. <laughs> Staring your at your Girl Scout cookies as they come <laughs> in. Um, Eat the whole box. Treat yourself. <laughs> uh, there is one other final show that I want to uh, mention, and that is uh, the football show that I do. It's fan-controlled football. It's basically Madden in real life, and it launches in February. The show right now, uh, we we stream leading up to the debut of the, of the real live football um, league, there are teams owned by Kind of Funny. There are teams owned by Marshawn Lynch and Mike Tyson and Mark Sherman, uh, Richard Sherman, excuse me, uh, Richard Sherman. Um, anyway, we do a show, the official companion show on Thursdays at 2.30 p.m. on twitch.tv slash FCF. Check that out. It's lots of fun. All right. Lots of plugs. Uh, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Frank, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Uh, I do. As uh, someone who writes comics and games, uh, I get a lot of questions about how do I break in? Like, where do I start? And I do think there is a severely limited amount of stuff for people who are looking to even just get started writing. But uh, one thing that I think is just so great and is wonderfully free is Brandon Sanderson, who is a fantasy writer. I really, really enjoy Uh he teaches a class at BYU that is a creative writing class about writing for fantasy and science fiction. And he posts the whole darn thing for free on YouTube. 
If you just Google Brandon Sanderson lecture, it has multiple years worth of his class. And I think, again, it, it's no substitute for going and taking a writing class, but it's really interesting, cool beginner stuff about how to write science fiction and fantasy. And uh, if you find yourself looking for a place to start or just hearing someone who knows how to write and has been a prolific writer tell you some some cool tips, I would highly recommend it. And just what a time to be alive that stuff like this is just free on. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And he's awesome. You should read the Stormlight Ar- Archive. It's uh, one of my favorite series. So, so good. The new book. Uh, I finished it recently. Yeah, so it, I haven't even started it yet. I, I, oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Book four. Uh, it's good though. You, you dug it. I really enjoyed it. I, I feel uh, like I might've read the other two too fast. I won't take that tangent because, but there was, uh, this was my favorite one, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, wow. his, his class is free on YouTube and lots of great insight in there. He has some guests, uh, lecturers who, who really talk about every aspect of it is a uh, much more novel centric as that's his expertise. But, uh, yeah. again, it's, it's an awesome free resource and Very I think cool. he's, he's real cool for putting it up for free. Christian Spicer, what's your parting gift? I mean, girls got cookies. Um, <laughs> Gotta win that national title, baby. <laughs> yeah, no, not not at all. Um, just pet the dog, man. I don't know. I held it together this episode. This weekend, this week was brutal. Um, I'm sorry, buddy. That's tough. 12, 12, almost 13 years. She was our That's first. That's a nice kid. long life, you know? That's a nice long life. She was our first kid. Just pet the dog. That's all. Just pet the dog. Pet the dog. My parting gift is a new show on Netflix. Uh, it's like one of the top 10 in the nation, according to my stupid menu thing. So maybe a lot of people don't even need to hear about this. But there was a time not too long ago. I think we've transcended this. But there was a time when something that was all subtitled would be hard to convince people to watch, give a chance to. Uh, I think well, I think most of us have, have evolved past that point. But if there's any part of you that resists watching Lupin on Netflix because it's in French and subtitled, let me be the first to suggest you rectify that situation because it's awesome. We're talking a heist. We're talking cool mastermind twists, turns, uh, really great, you know, interlocking gears of plot that hit each other. Oh, it's just so cool. A charismatic lead. Really fun, really fun. Five episodes, I think, on Netflix right now. Lupin, check it out. We also have a listener-suggested parting gift. Uh, This comes to us at uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes to us from Jim. Uh, I think very apropos for what we've been talking about with D&D and everything. Uh, Jim writes, hey, guys, I have a parting gift recommendation for parents who are looking to get their young kids into D&D. For Christmas, I got our family the game Dungeons & Dragons, The Adventure Begins. It's a self-contained D&D light tabletop RPG that requires no advanced planning on the DM's part. In fact, the DM is actually a deck of unique cards that is passed around to all players who each assume the role of DM every round. We played through all four boss runs, never used the same cards or battles twice, and my kids, ages 9, 7, and 4, had a blast! My wife helped the four-year-old. The battles are fun, short, and fairly simple. The non-battle encounters are also unique and interesting. Our favorite moment took place in a tavern where my oldest and youngest daughters faced off in a drinking contest. 
They each had to drink a glass of water in real life as fast as they could, while the rest of the family yelled, chug, chug, chug. I believe that this game has laid the foundation for future family gaming sessions of progressively more advanced role-playing games. I'm excited for when I can DM a full-fledged D&D campaign with my awesome kids. So I highly recommend Dungeons & Dragons Adventure Begins, which can be purchased online for under 20 bucks. Thanks for the consistently great show. Well, thank you, Jim. I have a copy of that very thing right behind me in my shelf, uh, which I have not had a chance to bring out yet, but I'm excited to do so also. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons Adventure begins. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. If you'd like your parting gift right on our show, send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Oh, I want to thank Frank and Christian for hanging out with me. I want to thank the folks watching live and and seeing our video version uh, for being here with us. Thank you for making the show better in real time. We appreciate you. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L, Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making the bumpers that you hear on the show. We love them. And thank you, each and every one of you, for listening. We appreciate you as well. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.